Amen. Amen. Awesome. You can be seated. Thank you so much, Lauren. Hey, welcome once again to Christ Church. I'm Jeremy. I am one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, it's so good to be together. If you're joining us online, welcome online. If you guys would, grab your Bibles. Go over to Psalm chapter 19. And uh, if you've been around, you know that we are in a study of the book of Acts. And we've been taking this time... Uh, the pastor, Brian, our, our senior pastor, is actually away for a little bit of an extended time away to rest, to uh, just to hear from God and to, to um, revive his soul and recuperate. And uh, he has allowed me to be able to speak. And so you guys just have to put up with me here for the next couple weeks before, while we're waiting for Brian. Can we do that? Are we good with that? All right. So over in Psalm chapter 19, we're taking some time aside in the summertime to just bounce out to the Psalms and, uh, and just study and kind of do a little bit more of a dive uh, into, into the Psalms. Now, have you ever asked the question, maybe even you're thinking about it today, maybe this is the reason you're in church, here's the question, is God still speaking or does God speak at all? Like, is he talking to me? And if so, how do I know he's talking to me and how do I hear God's voice. And we're going we're gonna to run right at that. This psalm this morning is, is just amazing at how it, how it rolls out. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to break it apart and kind of talk about the different pieces of it. So at, I want you to notice as we read this, there, it moves from a really, really broad perspective down to a specific perspective, then to a very personal um, response and a very inward perspective. So over in Psalm chapter 19, let's read this together. To the choir master, a psalm of David. Here we go, this is broad. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now look at the transition here in verse seven, talking from creation now down to more of a specific revelation of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. And then in verse 11, now, now we see the response where this, where this turns inward. As, as God's word, his revelation through creation, his revelation through his word lands on our hearts. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors, meaning his, his own errors? Declare me innocent of hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray as we approach this. Father, there is so much in there, so much, uh, so much truth, so rich, so pregnant with truth. God, I pray today as we take a look at this psalm that we would see you in a greater way, that we would 
understand how you desire to speak to us, that we would hear your voice more clearly in our, our own relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to, to just hear you this morning as we, as we ponder on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're taking notes, here's kind of the big idea that we're going to revolve around today. It's this, God is speaking. Yes, the answer to the question is yes, definitively, he is speaking. It says right here the different ways that he speaks to us. The, the question, though, is are you listening? Oftentimes, we're quick to just run to the conclusion that because I'm not hearing God, either he's not real or he's not speaking or he doesn't care. All of those are false assumptions. But as we, as we approach God, maybe, maybe it's our expectation of how we're wanting him to speak to us. Like maybe we're waiting for him to, to break open the sky, right? And, and appear like in, a, in just like all of his glory and break, you know, break the clouds and be like, thus saith the Lord, this is what I want. And like he's not, he's not going to do that. <laughs> he speaks to us. There's a certain way that he desires to. And, and this passage reveals the ways in which God speaks to us and how it moves from very broad to specific revelation in his word to a very inward conversation that's happening in the heart. Okay? Let's just start with kind of the, the big. Now, if you're gonna hear God, if you're gonna discern the leading of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of you, the place to start is exactly where this chapter starts. And number one is this, God is speaking to you through creation. He's speaking to you. I mean, you wouldn't accuse somebody of being quiet and tight-lipped if we're using words like declare, proclaim, pour out speech, reveal, right? He de- the, the heavens declare his glory. The heavens declare his glory. The sky proclaims his handiwork day-to-day pours out speech, night-to-night reveals knowledge. He's not being quiet. Creation, God is speaking to us through creation. It's declaring his glory. Now, let's just talk about that for a little bit, because like, what does that even mean? That sounds really awesome, and that would be a great like, song to sing, but what does it mean that the heavens are declaring the glory of God? So when we look up and with all of our modern day technology, we look out into the skies and, and we have uh, scientific discovery. And the more we learn, the more we're like, oh, wow. We used to think we knew something. Now we realize we don't know much at all. You know, some people feel this tension. And you maybe even heard this, that it's like, well, I just don't believe in the Bible because science in my faith, I just can't reconcile science in the Bible. Like baloney. Science is the discovery of what God has created. It's not a foundation of belief. It's us trying to figure out what to believe, right? The word of God says that he is speaking to us. His glory is revealed through creation. Now, I am gonna go super nerdy, like, science guy. Any other science freaks in the room? I, like, love, thank you, I see one, a couple. There's not many, but we're gonna just be strong together this morning, okay? Nerdy science guy. We live in a solar system. Our solar system is comprised of eight planets. There used to be nine, but Pluto didn't make the cut a few years ago. It's out, okay? So we're up down to eight. And our solar system is the planets that revolve around our sun, hence called the solar, the system around this solar, uh, this sun, the planets that revolve, okay? Now, on the, on the, in the inner half, there's four rocky, hard planets. You've got Mercury, Venus, Earth, we're number three, third rock from the sun, and then Mars, right? On the outer half, you have the gas giants. It goes to Jupiter, to Neptune, to, excuse me, to yeah, Neptune, Saturn, Uranus. You get further out there. There's these giant planets. They're massive. We look through the telescope, and we're like, man, that's awesome. But like, why 
are they there? They're not just there randomly. They're not just there to look good and make us ooh and ah. The gas giants, actually, the purpose they serve, among many other things, is perfectly balancing the tension of our solar system and also absorbing space debris and asteroids. They suck these things in that would, would if not they were there, eventually would crash into and hit the Earth and destroy the Earth. So they, they have a very, very practical purpose along as, as long as being really, really cool to look at. Now, our solar system is part of, you see this picture up here? Our solar system is somewhere in one of these outer bands. This is called the Milky Way galaxy, our solar system. And the, the galaxy is made up of uh, hundreds of millions, if not billions, of stars and solar systems, okay? This is just our galaxy. And we're somewhere kind of towards the outer edge on one of the bands. This is the Milky Way. The reason they call it the Milky Way, you might know this because if on a, on a dark night where there's not a lot of city lights, if you were to look, you could see the bands, the bands of these stars, and they have a, a whitish appearance. So the Milky Way is our galaxy in which our solar system resides along with hundreds of millions of other stars and solar systems. Now, the size, this is incredible. I, I, nobody's ever actually, I don't know if you knew this is not an actual picture, okay? Nobody can get that far away and actually take a picture of the Milky Way. We're not even close, I mean, not even close, and I'll explain to you why. Because the size of just our galaxy alone that we live in is about 100,000 light years across. You're like, that's awesome, 100,000 light years. What's that mean? <laughs> 100,000 light years diameter from one side to the other. Okay, so here's how a light year works for those of us who don't understand. Light is the fastest thing in the, in the universe, fastest thing that we know. You can't just necessarily measure space objects and celestial objects in miles because it's just not near big enough of a ruler, a, a measuring stick, okay? 100,000 light years means this, that the distance that light travels in one year, in the period of one year, the distance light travels equals one light year. Make sense? Light's traveling extremely fast. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's circling the globe seven times in one second, okay? It's about 670 million miles per hour. I can run fast, I can't run that fast. 670 million miles per hour. And over the course of a year, at 670 million miles per hour, light travels about 5.88 trillion miles. 5.88 trillion miles equals one light year. Our galaxy is 100,000 light years across, meaning this, that you would have to travel 670 million miles per hour for 100,000 years to traverse from one side to the other there should be a bit of a shrinking feeling that comes over us when we think about that. I'm very small, right? He's very, very big. If you were to travel for 100 years, say you live to be the, the ripe age of 100 years old, from day one to the day you die, 100 years, you're in a spaceship traveling, 100, uh, if you're traveling um, the speed of light for 100 years, you would have traversed one one-thousandth of the galaxy. Let's put it like this, put it on the scale of a football field. Here's a football field. Football season's coming, so I think I actually got a better, better football field for you guys. No, it's no, no. I knew they were going to do that. Yeah, put the actual one up. Thank you. <laughs> they told me to be, that I was going to be surprised in the, in the second service. So thank you. This is the one we wanted right here. <laughs> nice work, guys. That was good. <laughs> if you picture the diameter of the galaxy, like, like the, the, the length of a football field, 
and you were to travel at the speed of light starting at one goal line with the goal, the goal of getting to the other goal line for 100 years at the speed of light, in terms of a football field over the course of your life, man, you're making some progress, right? Like you're driving, you're about to score, you're about, you cross the 50, you're on the 40, you're down to like the 10, you're red zone. You know how far you would have traveled from the goal line that you left towards the other goal line? 3.6 inches. <laughs> That's not a very good drive, right? Keep the drive alive. No, you're not really going anywhere. You've not made much progress. All of that to say that it's huge, it's massive, and it speaks to us that his glory is, de- is declared through creation. It goes on to say that, that, uh, that the heavens proclaim his handiwork. The heavens proclaim his handiwork. Now, handiwork is kind of like a, speaks to your skill and your ability, your wisdom, your precision. You know, the earth sits at a perfect 23 and a half degree angle. So put that picture up of the earth. It's not straight up and down. The earth actually sits at an angle, and that's very intentional. The earth sitting at a perfect 23 and a half degree angle allows for the light of the sun, which David is talking about, looking at the same sun that we're looking at today, the light of the sun to disperse evenly across the face of the earth, allowing for life, allowing for vegetation. Uh, if, if it wasn't, it would, it would throw everything out of balance, and we wouldn't be able to have life as we know it on earth his handiwork. He knows what he's doing. I'm going to set it just right, and I'm going to create it just right. The earth sits at just the right distance from the sun. If we're too far away, we freeze up. If we're too close, we burn up. Perfectly revolving around the sun 365 days a year. been doing it for thousands of years. God knows what he's doing. The, the axial tilt, or the, the tilt of the axis of the earth being at 23 and a half degrees, one of the other things it accomplishes is it, it allows for the four seasons. It allows for the cycles of, of life, of death, and regeneration. 23 and a half degrees. So when we're, when we're kind of on the further away, it's winter. When we're, a little, we're on the closer side, it's summertime. Now, before too long, I hate to say it, I mean, August is, is coming to a close. Quickly, it's going to happen fast. We're going to be back in school. And before you know it, it's going to be Christmas time. And you know around Christmas time what people start to say, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. Bless God. Jesus is the reason for the season. And in that moment, you can just kind of calmly, gently, very lovingly be like, actually, axial tilt is the reason for the season. <laughs> just, just real, real gently, you know? A lot of people don't know. We just, we just gotta, you just gotta let them know, okay? I'll give you a couple more. There's, there's hundreds of these. We're just kind of scratching the surface. But the position of our galaxy, the position of our solar system in terms of, or excuse me, our solar system in terms of the galaxy itself gives us an optimal view of the universe as a whole. If we were in a different spot in our galaxy, we wouldn't be able to see. There would be too much obstruction from other stars. But we have a perfect crystal clear window. Is that an accident? Nope. Is it an accident when the moon does this across the face of the sun? It's called a complete solar eclipse. Go ahead and put that picture up of a solar eclipse. Now, this is kind of a crazy event. We had one a few years back. I think there's another one coming soon, which is pretty rare. When this happens, it's kind of a really crazy phenomenon because the moon, the size, the perspective size of the moon in the sky, have you noticed this, is exactly the same perspective size as the sun in the sky. They line up perfectly, and the moon perfectly covers the sun. Now, the sun is much, much larger than the moon, obviously, but the moon is much, much closer. So us standing on earth looking out, it perfectly covers the shadow cast on the earth. 
This is not just some, oh, wow, that's really neat. What happens during a solar eclipse allows scientists to view the corona of the sun or the crown of the sun. And we've been able to make scientific discovery and understand the way the sun works in ways that we couldn't any other way. This makes it possible. Now, you get a, you get a bunch of these things strung together, and, and at some point, it's like, okay, it's not a coincidence, right? This is very intentional. This is what David is saying here, that the skies are proclaiming his handiwork. They're like, he did it. He knows what he's doing. He's incredibly wise. He's the master engineer on a scale that's unfathomable to us as people. It's almost like what he's saying is he's like, I want you to work a little bit. You're going to have to search for me. You're going to have to look for me. When you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. But there's joy in the discovery. There's joy in the, the seeking, and then there's joy in the finding. You know, when you play hide-and-seek with the kids, and that's a fun time in life. Maybe you got the grandkids now, and, you know, they're about three, four, five years old, and, they, and it's, let's play hide-and-seek tonight. Remember those days? The goal of playing hide-and-seek with the kids is not to be like, got my camo, got my face painted. I'm like hiding out in the bunker. They're never going to find me. Like, that's not exactly the goal. Like, you know, six hours later, you're inside. The kids are crying. They're like, we don't know who you are, Dad. Like, but you didn't find me, so I win. Right? Like, that's not the goal of hide-and-seek. The goal of hide-and-seek is to kind of create the tension and, and to make them work at it a little bit, and then they find you. And what happens in that moment when, when they find you? You know what I mean? The joy, the anticipation, it's like, ah, oh, the tension, like, ah, oh, I got you, and everybody laughs, and there's just such a love, and you found me. That's the way our Heavenly Father has created this whole universe, this whole creation. He's like, I want you to find me. Look, just keep looking. The, the skies are declaring my glory. The, the heavens are declaring my handiwork. The more powerful our telescopes and the more powerful our microscopes get, the more we see the glory of God. Now, that's a lot of fun. I could go on and on, and I probably have, some people are like, I want more, and some people are like, you just burned me out right there. Like, let's just move on, right? What is God saying to us through creation? I mean, if this is true, right, if uh, the heavens are declaring and the sky is proclaiming and day to day, night to night, pouring out speech, revealing knowledge, what is God speaking to us through creation? This is the beginning of being able to hear and discern God speaking to us personally. What he's saying is he's saying, I did this. I'm real. I'm here. I, I want you to seek. I want you to discover. He's saying, I'm big. I'm powerful. And you're not. That's okay. We should have a sense of sober humility as we approach that which has been created. He's saying the things that are so big to you are so small to me. Just rest, just chill, I got this. His grammar might be a little better, but he's like, I got this, I got you, right? I know exactly what I'm doing. It may look random, it may look chaotic. Everything just seems like it's spinning out of control, but it's ordered, it's got purpose. Just trust me, you don't understand yet, but I'm, I'm for you and I'm working. I want you to seek, I want you to search, I want you to understand me, I want you to know me. Again, God is speaking, but the greater question is, are we listening? So creation uh, displays God's glory, and it shows us his handiwork, his, his precision, just his master engineering mind. And then this passage takes a turn, and, and David, the author of this passage, over back in Psalm chapter 8, penned these words. He said, when I look at your heavens, kind of like what we're talking about right now, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, and in verse four, what is a man that you are mindful of him? 
and the son of man that you care for him. David's wrestling with the same thing. Like, man, we look out into creation and we're like, wow, but do you actually, like, do you care about me? You see, we need something more than just the, the, the house that the Lord has built for us to dwell in. We, we need something that reveals more of who he is. You see, we don't get his, his ways or his heart or his plan of salvation, his character, his love, his justice, his mercy, his final judgment and his eternal kingdom. We don't get those things just from studying the creation. We need something else. We need a further revelation. I want you to kind of picture yourself for a minute. Uh, you're looking to buy a house. Maybe there's some of you who are in the market for buying a house. Kind of a tough time to buy. Great time to sell right now. Tough time to buy. And, uh, and you're walking through a model home that, uh, that's brand new. Um, a builder has built. And as you walk through the home with, with your spouse, you're like, wow, this is really awesome. Like the space, man, I could tell he really thought about like how to utilize the space practically. And, and uh, man, look at the attention to detail. Like it just looks so perfect. And that's some high quality materials that he used there. Attention to detail. You, you know, you begin to develop as you, as you look at how the colors come together, how aesthetically pleasing the house is. You begin to get an idea, a general idea about the builder. And this guy's really good. Like he knows what he's doing. He's thought through it. But now picture this as your tour comes to an end, your realtor goes, hey, there's something on the, on the, the kitchen counter there I want you to read. Homeowner, or excuse me, the builder asked me to to have you read this, and, and you, you pick it up, and it's a letter, and the letter is to the potential future homeowner, and it says this. Hello, and thank you for taking the time to walk through this home I've built. It was my honor and passion to do so. I just wanted to let you know that each day I was constructing this home, whether I was laying the foundation or putting on the final touches, I was thinking about and praying for you. My desire went far beyond to simply build a house. My vision was to establish a home I imagine your family laughing as joy fills this home on Christmas Day. I left a lot of room around the island in the living room so you can enjoy plenty of company. Now, we do live in West Michigan, so I hope the fireplace helps you survive the rigors of winter. Those of you who don't go to Florida and cheat the system. (laughs) As you walk through difficulty and hardship, my hope is that when you are home, you feel safe, protected, and calmed, loved, valued, and healed from life's wounds. There's so much I would like to say, but I will be brief. My greatest desire would be to serve you and be in relationship with you for years to come if you would so desire. Please let me know if there's ever anything I can do. Enjoy your new home, John the Builder. Now, that might spin it a little bit. Anybody who's a builder in here, I'm just, I'm giving you like really great advice. Like just do this, right? Because it's not just a job. Like you're actually, you're serving somebody with what you do. You see, the, the building itself, the house, the structure, reveals craftsmanship, reveals handiwork, reveals attention to quality and detail, workmanship. But it's the letter on the counter that reveals the heart, reveals the intention, the vision of the builder. That's what this is, church, okay? That's this. This is the letter. So if we're going to be serious about really knowing the creator and hearing him speak, we've got to be very serious about reading what he has written already to us. And that's number two. God is speaking to you through scripture. 
He is not quiet. He is not distant. He is not unconcerned. He has gone to great lengths for centuries and millennia to write, establish, and preserve his word with clarity so that you have it in your hands knowing what it is that he wants to say to you regarding what you're going through. And that's where this this text turns here in verse 7. I love the, the descriptors here. Look at, look at um, verse seven there. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And I've got a couple of different colors there. Law, that's like what we're talking about, the noun. The perfect is the adjective, it's the descriptor. And then what does it do? It revives the soul. Each one of these things, there's, there's a, f- a few different that are named here and this comprises the word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It gives life out of death. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I love that. That's what it does, is it gives wisdom. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Man, that's, that's the place to live in, the joy, the rejoicing of God's word. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, it's unpolluted, it's perfect, enduring forever. And then lastly, the rules of the Lord are true, and I love how he sums it up. They're righteous all together. That, just that chunk of scripture right here is something we've got to go back to over and over and over. The law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandments, the fear of the Lord, the rules. This is what comprises the word of God. These are all things that he's saying to us. And I love the descriptors. It's perfect, it's sure, it's right, pure, clean, and it's true. And what does it do? It revives, it makes wise, it causes joy and rejoicing, enlightening, enduring, and it's righteous all together. All that to say this. Again, if we want to hear and discern what God is speaking to us, it, it starts with a broad view of just humility of like, okay, you're God, you know what you're doing, you're way bigger, way smarter than me, I'm coming low, I'm coming humble, and I'm coming to the book, I'm reading the letter because I want to hear what you have already said to me and what you'd want to say. We, we can't get to the inward. We can't get to the specific. We can't get to the personal if we haven't done that. Because God's already said a lot of things. Look what he says. He says there, it, should be, it should be desired. Moreover, it should be desired than, than gold and even fine gold or sweeter than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. And it leads us to this question like, we should desire God's word more than, than money, because money has value, but what has the most value? What is most valuable to you? What tastes the sweetest to you? If it's the word of God, you're gonna be able to discern and to hear him speaking to you through scripture. What has the final authority in your heart? How do you know how to make decisions? How do you know how to have relationships with people? How do you know I could go this way or I could go this way? Well spend a lot of time in scripture just soaking and saturating and let the word have the final authority in your life, not your thoughts, not your feelings, not just your desires. It's so easy for us to, to think something really strongly and, and, and think that that's what God wants or it's our will and we equate it to his will. You see, when we read, when we read the letter, the letter reads us. It's a mirror. We read this and it, and it exposes. And that's, that's how you get to this last part of, of transitioning down from very broad to a specific revelation through scripture down to a very personal 
very personal in nature God that is working in our hearts. That's where we can begin to discern the, the leading, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. So God is speaking. Are you listening? Look what Hebrews 4.12 says. I love this text. You've probably heard it before if you've been around church. It says, for the word of God, that's, that's what we're talking about, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And this is so good, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, it's the word of God and it's sitting in God's word. It's meditating on and saturating in God's word that, that discerns what's actually happening on the inside. And that's where David goes in this psalm, okay? That's exactly where God wants us to be. And that leads us to our third point, which is actually a question, is this, how is your heart responding? When, when we think about the grandeur of God, his majesty, and, and then his specific revelation to us in scripture, how does our heart respond to that? And there is a conversation and there's a battle that's always going on on the inside and that's where God does his work. It's here. All of that is so that he can speak to you here. Okay? So we, we turn inwardly now. I love the language here. It says, uh, moreover, in verse 11, your servant, by them your servant is warned. And, and it goes on to talk about how the word of God, it discerns error and it reveals hidden faults and it exposes presumptuous sin. There's a lot there. Revealing error, hidden faults, presumptuous sin. That presumptuous sin is kind of a tough word. It means to be rude and arrogant, disrespectful, disregarding boundaries. It's really living with this kind of, I'm gonna do what I want because I think it and I feel it and, and I... I'm just gonna do it and you're just gonna have to deal with it. Presumptuous, arrogant. The truth is that there is some of that in all of us, maybe to lesser or more of a degree, but it's only God's word and it's the sharpness of his word that can discern and to separate what is true. Now the inward conversation, let's talk about, David's inward conversation is, God, I'm humbled, please keep me from error. Uh, help me to recognize and discern my own internal errors. My heart is responding with humility. And this is where we hear the voice of the Spirit. Now this is, for David, this is prior to the cross of Christ, prior to the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus went, finished his work, sent the Holy Spirit to us to be our inward guide. And Jesus said this over in John chapter 16, 12 through 14. He said, I still have so many things I wanna say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He's like, there's a lot of word yet to be revealed to you. But here it is, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I love the word guide because mostly that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's our guide and we learn as sons and daughters how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And look what he goes on to say here, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Meaning this, the Holy Spirit will always speak to us in line with what is already very re clearly revealed in Scripture. If we think we've heard God and it doesn't line up with what has been revealed in Scripture, you didn't hear God, okay? We come humble, we come low. It lines up, it's rooted because the Holy Spirit reveals to us the practical application of the Word of God. We need him. Now there's two ditches, and we gotta be careful here when it comes to like discerning the voice of God, and I'm not talking about like 
like all every day, like there's just audible conversation going on. It's, it's more of a still, small voice inside. But there's two ditches when it comes to hearing God. One of them is that every inclination I have, every thought that I have, every opinion or feeling or desire, like, man, that is thus saith the Lord, and God told me I'm going to have that, and God told me this, and God told me this. Like, ah, no, he didn't. Uh, He didn't. Sorry, burst your bubble. No, he didn't. That's your own flesh. There's a lot of voices on the inside competing. Not all of them are God. Come low, come humble. Now, but if if you can accept that, then you can cross the road and fall into the ditch on the other side, which would be this, that God is tight-lipped and he said everything he's going to say and, and the Holy, yeah, the Holy Spirit's in us, but you know, there's not really much going on there and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't say anything. And that would make God, it would be completely counter to scripture. God is extremely personal in nature. God wants relationship. He wants, the spirit of God within you wants to discern whatever it is that's in you and that you're seeking and, and lead you and guide you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And then there are those times those special times when either scripture just jumps off the page or there's, there's a moment of crystal clarity. I remember uh, back when I was about 16 years old and uh, I had just given my life like fully to the Lord, really, about six months prior. And it was the summer, I think, between my sophomore and junior year. And, and uh, in my student, in my youth ministry, there was this big trip that everybody was going on, right? It was called Youth America. And it was the will of God for me to be at Youth America, right? It was, they were gonna jump on a bus and drive to a school bus, mind you, and drive 24 hours to Oklahoma City and be at Youth America. And everybody else in the youth ministry was going, and I had to go. I knew that God wanted me to be at Youth America. So I go to my dad, and I go, Dad, I've got an opportunity that I know the Lord wants me to do, right? The, all the everybody's going to Youth America and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be revival and I'm going to experience God. He's going to change my life and God wants me to be there. I need to go to Youth America. And my dad goes, he goes, oh, really, when is it? This weekend. Okay. How much does that cost? $300? Uh, did I mention that you guys are paying for it too? You know? Nope, didn't mention that. And uh, he goes, nope. I'm like, no. No. How dare you? <laughs> you are, don't, don't you see, Dad? You're standing in the way of God and what God wants for me. What do you mean? No, are you blind? Are you spiritually deaf? I couldn't get my head around it. And I was so mad, so upset, so angry. And I don't know how, how, it, how it happened, but he didn't budge. He didn't move on it. And uh, that next Sunday, somehow it was just him and I in church. I don't remember how, but it was just him and I else was gone or something, and in the middle of worship, and I, we're sitting there singing, and I'm like, got this attitude, like, I'm not singing today. I'm not worshiping. I'm so mad. <laughs> Dad, I'm going to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom, and I was, I can't believe this. I had that look on my face, that very look, okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I go to the bathroom, and, and, and I'm in there. I, I didn't even have to go to the bathroom, so I just kind of went and went out, and I'm like, I'm not going back into worship. <laughs> so I go sit out in the car, and I'm out in the car for... 15, 20 minutes, and I'm just, just huffing, so mad, and God, I can't believe you would do this. And, and here's, here's the problem, though. I had been spending a lot of time in prayer and really in God's word meditating, and I knew that God's word said, hey, honor your father and mother. And I'm like, ooh, but I can't. <laughs> and I'm in the car, and I really do. I think I've got God in a conundrum that he has no way out. I go, God, 
Okay, and I'm actually being honest now, you know. I said this to God. I go, God, I feel like if I honor my dad, because I know your word says to honor your father, but if I honor him, that I'm dishonoring you because I know what you want from me. And I'm envisioning God like, oh, yeah. Man, I didn't think about that. <laughs> what do we do? Dang, I'm not sure. Uh, and, and God, and it was funny because I'm really like, I have the impossible question for God. <laughs> so laughable, right? And I'm in the car and I just got this bad attitude. And, meh, meh, meh. and this has not happened to me very often. These are special moments. I'd been in God's word, I'd been in prayer, and actually was honestly bringing my heart to God. I wasn't expecting this, but with crystal clarity, I heard this right here. No, Jeremy, when you honor him, you're honoring me. I'm like, I'm stood up, my, I'm stood, my eyes are wide. I'm like, really slowly, I'm like, like I thought someone was in the car. It kind of it felt like this right here, this pic. That's what it kind of felt like right there. <laughs> right there. And I can confidently say I heard God speak to me because it comes straight out of Scripture. And let me tell you something. It not only changed my attitude instantly, all my little manipulative crybaby stuff was gone like that. It changed my attitude. It changed my relationship with my dad. And it also changed my relationship with my parents. Whole new trajectory. And as the Lord would have it, my parents are actually in the front row today. My dad's here. Let's give my dad a hand clap. <laughs> dad. So I come back out of the car and, and uh, you know, I come back into the building and I'm kind of just wide-eyed. And about this time, it'd been 20, 25 minutes. And my dad comes out and, he, you know, in legendary dad fashion, he goes, oh man, I was about to send in a search and rescue crew. I thought maybe you fell in. <laughs> you need a towel? You know, like just classic dad. And I go, dad. He's like, what? I, go, I, think, I think God spoke to me. He's like, really? What did he say? He said that when I honor you, I'm honoring him. He's just like, yep, yep. <laughs> He's like, yep, he spoke to you. You see, but, but God desires so much more than just reading the word. The word's on the page. This is the truth. Church, hear this. The word of God leads us to the person of God. We don't have a relationship with a book. We have the relationship with the author of the book. But it's, the, it's, it's this that gets us there. We can't hear and discern his voice until we know this. And that, that story for me was, was really was life-changing. You know, the truth was, it was all about what I wanted, what I felt, and I was trying to manipulate scripture to get what I wanted, and it's exactly what this passage says. There was error, there was hidden faults, there was presumptuous sin, and in a moment of correction, God was like, nope. And it changed my life. So how do we, how do, we do that? And again, I'm not saying that that, that, does, that doesn't happen every day. Most of our relationship with God really is, it's just discerning the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's getting our flesh to shut up long enough to actually hear the Spirit. And it's the inward witness. It's the inward leading. We begin to, he guides us. He's like, but you got to quiet down. You got to slow your roll. Sometimes it works just to go for a walk. I mean, get out into nature, go out on the lake. If you got a boat, go on the boat. If you like to hike, go hiking. If you like to camp, go camping. But just you like being out in the woods, but 
it's, it's in nature and we see his glory that we can just kind of slow and settle our souls down. And he has a way that he wants to speak to you, but trust me, he's not gonna do it your way. Like you gotta come submitted to him. Cooperate in the way that he wants to reveal himself to you. Spend some time unhurried, undistracted, and just soak in the word. Whatever it is you're seeking him for, he, I'm, I'm sure there's things he's already spoken to it. Just spend some time there. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you, would you guide me? I'm, I'm all spun up right now. I don't know which way is up, which way is down. I don't know what's the right decision to make. I don't know what to do. But I want to submit to your authority and I want to follow you. I want to obey you. And in those moments, whether he, whether he, whether it's, it's strong and clear and resounding or whether it's just a, 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 a nudge of the Spirit, you'll learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. As many as are the sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. So the question again is, is God speaking? Absolutely, God is speaking to you through creation. He's got a lot to say there. He's speaking to you through scripture. And he's speaking to you inwardly in your heart. And then the question is, how is your heart responding? He's speaking. Are you listening? Let's take the next few moments. And I don't know what, what you might bring this morning to worship. But uh, this is a great moment to just release it. A great moment to just say, okay, God, would you just, would you just lead me from the inside out? Let's close our eyes. Let's pray together as we as we worship. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you do speak and you do speak loud and clear and you are you love us and you want to engage relationship and you've sent your Holy Spirit to be our guide and to lead us. And Lord, I know everybody in this place and in a very different spot, a very unique spot. So thankful, Jesus, that you sent the Spirit to lead us and guide us because we need, we need him desperately. I just pray in these next few minutes that uh, there could be some clarity, there could be some answers, and if it's not now, this is just part of the, the journey to just hearing and discerning your voice. So Lord, I pray, um, Holy Spirit, would you just do what you do? Minister as we bring our hearts before you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand in.